0: life is this. If there's hope in your future, there's power in your present. You would be on this? And guess what? You're all in the hope business. Every day when we come to work, we're instilling hope in those children for their future, and it brings power to their present. We're going to have some fun here, guys. Oh my God, I'm so grateful you had me. So grateful. <laughs> so, so we're going to talk about things like hope. We're going to talk about trust we're going to talk about human connection. We're going to talk about influence, because you guys are just out there influencing young children. You know, no pressure at all, but uh, the future is in your hands. <laughs> oh, my God, guys, I'm so grateful. You know, people say we live in a negative world. Have you ever heard that? You go, man, the world's so negative out there. I, I don't know about this. I don't know, because, like, I gotta, I gotta be, everywhere I go, people are smiling. They tend to be. I kind of live in a pretty upbeat world. There's this thing where, like, you know, the, the smiley, upbeat person tends to over, always overwhelm the, the, the kind of stoic, serious person. Are you with me on this? I, I can actually prove it. I can prove this to you. Can we do an experiment? It'll be a lot of fun. So, so pick the person to your, on this side, right? Whatever your right or left is, right? Pick the person on that side. And what we're gonna do is the person on your right, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, that person's gonna be the most smiley person ever. And the other person's gonna try not to smile, okay? You ready to do this? We're going to see. We're going to see what wins here, okay? You ready? Pick the person. You're going to look in their eyes. Okay, I'm going to count of three. You ready? Oh my God. We didn't even need to do it, you know what I mean? We don't even need to do the experiment. Isn't it true? Oh my God, I've never seen someone be able to do that. I've never seen someone stay stoic, you know? The moment someone smiles at them, they just burst out smiling, they just can't hold it in. You know, the truth is this, you know, we we don't see the world as it is out there. We see the world as we are. Isn't it true? Wherever you look, there you are. So I always say, wherever you go, my mom used to say to me, Randy, when you get, put your clothes on, put on your smile every morning, and the world will smile back at you, because wherever you look, there you are. It's a mirror looking back to you. So I would say every morning, think of it, put on your smile every morning, life will change. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> everyone in the room has been influenced by a teacher. You with me on this? I bet you everyone has someone in their mind that you can think of a teacher that really changed your life. They had a positive impact, right? You got the person in your mind? Everyone have one? Mine, Mr. Wallingford, fifth grade. Changed my life. I remember standing in front of his class, he goes, This boy right here, I'm gonna give him a silver dollar because he, he can achieve things. And I thought, Oh my God, me? You know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a kid that graduated high school at age 20. You know? <laughs> Not kidding. So, <laughs> so we all got this person, right? So all at the same time, can we say the person's name out loud? Ready? All at the same time, ready? One, two, three, say it. I love it. We all the person. I love it, right? Oh, my God. You know, it's neat. Um, We've had a lot of teachers throughout our life, right? In high school, you go through about 13 different teachers. Um, Can anybody name all 13 teachers? A lot of times not. I've been asking that all this whole summer. Can anyone name all 13 teachers? And most people can't. What's the difference? The human connection. It's the empathy. It's the human connection they had with you that changed your life. And you were all so perfectly designed to do this. Oh, my God. You guys got the best jobs in the world. (laughs) <laughs> you know, people go to work, and uh, and they, they want to reap a harvest. You know, like if you work in a normal job, you know, you know you're you're, you're going to go to some place and you're going to build a product and you're going to sell a product and you receive the money from the product, right? So we're kind of like we're all about reaping the rewards of the job, right? You guys are in a much higher business than that. You guys are all in the, in the business of sowing seeds. And and the truth is, yeah, the the the, the, rewa- the reaping the re- of the rewards matter, but what matters more are the seeds we are sowing for future rewards. And I think the challenge that a lot of teachers have, I, guys, I've been, I've been studying this all summer. Oh my God, Dr. Forte called, I'm so grateful. He calls me up, says, Yeah, we should do this. And I've been studying like crazy. And uh, I talk to teachers, and they go, The problem that I have is, you know, I'm so seeds, but I, I don't see the return from it. Because these kids go out and they accomplish things in the world, and I just don't see it. Man, it really is the best job in the world. So, guys, my name is Randy, and I grow grapes. <laughs> <laughs> If you saw me on a daily basis, I mean, guys, my wife had to take me to the store to get myself a clean pair of pants, you know? I get up in the morning, I dig in the dirt, I grow grapes, that's all I do. Uh, This is my office, by the way. There's the winery, fun place. Oh my God, it's so much fun, guys. Oh my God, the mission of this company is to add value to people's lives. It has nothing to do with wine, and it's so much fun. I live on a farm with my wife and three babies, and uh, I really love life. If you've you've been on my podcast, oh my God, guys, I love my life. It's it's so great. I mean, have you have all seen my wife? I show you a picture of her. This is Tiffany. I know. She's right here. <laughs> Come here, Mama. Come here. Come over here. Come on, Mama. Get over here. Come on, i love. Come here. <laughs> Come here, Mama. I gotta point out my Oh, I love you, Mom. <laughs> she's crying, she's crying. <laughs> I love you. Oh like, guys, my wife, oh my goodness, she's a little redhead. She's tiny, right? I'll call her fun size, you know. <laughs> no, no. Oh, my God. And she makes the best babies. Oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, I love this woman so much. We've been to each other for 12 years, but we've gotten married to each other four times now. I always ask her to marry me. She says, yes, so let's do it again. Oh, my God. I love you, Mama. You know, um, I say it all the time at the winery. My wife is the ideal lady. I dig in the dirt. You know, you go to Blue Ridge Winery, and it's beautiful. The atmosphere, the setting, all the wine labels, every single bit of it has come out of her head. Every bit of it. She's just brilliant. I just keep growing grapes, and look what happens. You know, we have this room where there's underground trees that come out of the ceiling. It's, it's all mama. She thought of it all. Holy cow. Can I show you our babies? Here's a picture here. There's our kids. There they are, right? Right? So, so Maggie, babies our oldest right there. Maggie, Maggie just started the third grade. Oh, we're so proud of her. Uh, Joseph, boy is five. He's out of control. I need help. Oh, my God. <laughs> Real, right, Say for one moment, hang on right there for a second. And this is Natalie, baby, right here. This is Natalie down there. Natalie, you see the look on her face? Oh my god, guys. She is the most upbeat, positive, enthusiastic little two-year-old you'll ever meet. And so talkative. Oh my goodness. I'm, and I'm telling her the other day, I'm like, I'm like, Natalie, you are so wonderful. I'm like, how did you get this spectacular? I see seeds of greatness in you. And she looks right in my eyes and goes, Mom. <laughs> Oh my God. So if you go to the wider there's a quote on the wall of Natalie, age two. It's so good. Oh my God. I love you, Mama. I love you, man. I can tell you all, yeah, guys. No, thanks, Mama. Thanks, Mama. Thanks, Mama. (laughs) So I can tell you guys right here, right now, everything, and I mean everything that's great in my life, I owe to that little redhead. Oh my God, I love you, Mama. Can I put on someone else? Where's Karen? Where's Karen? Right here. This is Karen, guys. is Karen, right? <laughs> I love you, Karen. I love it. Oh, my God, Karen. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, right? It's so good, right? So, so Karen, she, uh, she came to the winery a while back and did the undergrad experience, the wine tasting that I do, and then she told Dr. Forte about, hey, there's this wild animal that lives in Salisbury, he jumps around, maybe you want to have him come out. I'm so grateful. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, Dr. Forte. I'm so grateful. Oh my God, guys, you changed my life. Thanks for taking a risk on some guy growing grapes. Oh my God. So, so I got to tell you, before today, man, guys, I, I wrote this, I rewrote it. Came here and practiced it, threw it away, started over, wrote it for, wrote it for the staff at Blue Ridge, threw that away, started over again. <laughs> I did, nothing that I wrote seemed to have a strong enough, a powerful enough impact for y'all. Because like, I gotta admit, like if you all, if you all met my mom, I'm sleeping compared to my mom. I mean, I mean, for real. I'd be like, Mom, relax, it's a sandwich. I mean, my mom was excited about everything in life. I mean, the most enthusiastic, upbeat, positive person I've ever known. So, I know, so I thought it'd be best just to come here. Is there a picture? Oh, there's my mom, right here. Her name's Sandy Dietrich, and uh, my God, my, you know, my, my mom. My, my mom should be here on stage. I mean, she'd just, you'd be like, Randy, sit down, have a seat. So my mom, she's just, uh, I thought what I'm going to do is just going to come here and tell you some stories about mom. You know, because like my, my mom, just like you all are change agents in the world, and you're basically creating the next generation in this great country of ours. My mom was a change agent. You know, they they say, you know, how can one person change the world? Oh my God! The fact of the fact of the matter is that the only thing that's ever changed the world is one person, and we're all that we're all that people, all that person. My mom was that person. You know that story that Matthew told of uh, my mom coasting out of the driveway. When I was seven, my brother was two, with just her boys in her arm, my mom took a leap. And then she built the ground to land on. My mom changed everything, guys. Oh my gosh. I remember her saying, she goes, Randy, you know, don't worry about what grade you're in. Remember I graduated high school, age 20? She goes, like, don't worry, Randy, you're gonna be okay. You know, kids, kids are like popcorn. You know, you throw them all in the same pan, put them all in the same environment, and they pop at different times. Like, hope I pop one day, mom. <laughs> you know, that first morning at that shelter, you know, I remember the night. It, was, it felt sterile. And my mom gets us up that morning, and she looks in her eyes, and she says, boys, if you could think it, you could write it down. If you wrote it down, you'd set yourself a goal. And if you could set a goal, you could achieve a goal. That's how we're going to live our life. We had no choice. <laughs> my mom was a force. <laughs> oh, God. And you know, <laughs> my mom had this saying she would say to us every day. It's at the winery. If you go to the winery, guys, there's quotes everywhere at the winery. Whenever something great happens, I capture it and put it on the wall forever. My mom would look at my brother and I, and she would say, Boys, life is gonna be simple for you. Because all that you're gonna need to do with your life is pursue all the dreams you have with every single bit of imagination that God gave you. And then just don't ever let fear interfere with your life. It's the best recipe for any life, isn't it? Thinking, oh my gosh. So throughout this little presentation, if I say something, it seems to be like, well, that's some good stuff, Randy. Just know it's, it's not Randy. <laughs> I just grow grapes. It's my mama. <laughs> it's my wife. It's Matthew. Oh, my God. You know that Matthew had an MBA at age 19? <laughs> that guy's nuts. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Whenever he stands next to me, I go, step back. i feel insignificant. you know? <laughs> God. <laughs> God. Oh, boy. So let's kind of call this stories of a single mom. And there's three things that my mom would talk to my brother and I about all the time, every day. She would say, Randy, empathy, stress, and time are very connected in your life. I'm 12. Tell me why, Mom. She would say, well, the truth is this. Time is the most valuable thing everybody has in the room, period. I get it, Mom, but I'm 12, right? She would say, you know... Be very careful, Randy, that you never become a victim of time. What do you mean, Mom? She says, well, it works like this. If you put something off today, something you should do today to tomorrow, you're going to put it off tomorrow. And then you are going wake up 20 years later, and your life will have passed you by. She says, right now, today, you get on, and you stay on the Do It Now program. She goes, when are you going to do it? You do it today, on the Do It Now program. She had that everywhere in her house. I'm on the Do It Now program. What am going to do, it, I do it today. Great advice to a 12-year-old, right? God, right? When you think about it, time's the only thing we all get the same amount of every day. You can't save it, but you can spend it. And once you spend it, it's over. It's not like money. We don't just make more money, spend it again, and make more and spend it again. We are never respending today. You know, mom would say to me, she'd go, Randy, make sure that you make time to enjoy your life. Because the money's always going to return to you, but your time will not. Something. You ever read Anthony Hopkins' quotes? You know the actor, Anthony Hopkins? You know he's a writer? Anthony Hopkins is also an orchestra conductor. The guy's got talent, doesn't he? Neat stuff, huh? If you read Anthony, these are his words, not mine. He's got a quote on time. He goes, none of us are getting out of this life alive. (laughs) Good point, dude. (laughs) (laughs) He says, so please, stop treating yourself like an afterthought. He says, eat delicious food. Walk in the sunshine, jump in the ocean. He reminds us to say the truth that we're carrying in our heart like a hidden treasure. He says, be kind, be weird, be silly, because there's no time for anything else. Doesn't he capture it all? You know, when I read that, guys, I was in the kitchen, and my wife's there, we're, we're talking, and the kids are in the backyard running around like animals. And, and you know, I thought, oh my God, he captures it all. Because everyone that I love, my wife, my babies, I promise you, everyone that you love, husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your children, every one of them spells love the exact same way, I promise you, it may not be what you think, because they all spell it T-I-M-E. It's time together that counts. I love that. You with me? God. And time moves fast today, doesn't it? Time's going so fast right now that any question you have, I can get an answer for you on my phone right now. (laughs) That's crazy. When time's moving that, that fast, it's hard to slow down and just just reconnect with the people around us. It's about the human connection. You know, I don't think that it's physical distance that creates separation between people. That's not the way it works. It's always the lack of connection that creates the distance. It's a better way to put it, right? And that teacher that you had in your mind that changed your life, that person connected with you. They took the time to connect. Good old mama, huh? There's people in this world They're having long-distance relationships, living in the same house. You ever seen that? (laughs) I always say, when are we together? Well, we're together when we're face-to-face, heart-to-heart, knee-to-knee. That's when we're together. And there's a whole new challenge we have. It's called social media. (laughs) You with me on this? (laughs) And I'm big on it, guys, right? I mean, I'm always putting stuff out there. I just did a couple minutes ago. You know, but I've learned that stuff, Facebook, all it's purposely designed to make you feel connected to someone far away. My God, if you don't put it down when someone's right in front of you, you could lose the person right in front of you. My wife and I have a rule in the house. It says if the kids ever want to talk to us and you're on your phone, put it down immediately. Don't never send the message that, I- I'm sorry, little girl. This screen is more important than you are. A lot of kids getting hurt with that stuff today. Something. And you know, um, In February, I do this thing called the Couples Edition Underground Experience. It's fun. It's all about relationships. It's great stuff. It's it's about what makes a great relationship relationship just brilliant. So it's about things like bids for attention. It's about never automating your significant other. It's about being present in the moment. It's about the analogy the apology, things that matter, you know? And it occurred to me in writing that little talk that yes, time is the currency of our life. That's what we say, I'm gonna spend my time. But in, in a lot of ways, time can be the currency in a relationship. I would say it's bids for emotional connection, but time is a big factor. And there's a trap set for us. Hit me like a brick one day. I thought, oh my gosh. The trap is set when we go to work, and work trains us to be efficient. It trains us to multitask. It trains us to get more done in less time. The challenge of that, though, is if you take that mentality home with you, there is no such thing as an efficient relationship. When it comes to time in relationships, we're going to have to spend it to get it. If we don't, we won't. Good old mama, huh? My mom had it going on, I tell you. Have you ever read the book by Viktor Frankl? Anyone read that book, Man's Search for Meaning? You ever, yeah, right? It guys, it's so good that I wish I never read it so I could read it brand new again so it's, so it's fresh. I read it probably every six months. One of the top five books in my, in my life. The guy lived through five, four Nazi prison camps, then wrote a book afterwards. Talked about a perspective on life. He changed the question that I asked life. Because a lot of times, especially in America, we get up and we go, I want more from life. I expect more out of life. I want to get more from life. Viktor Frankl says, wrong question. Because you didn't choose life. Life chose you. You had nothing to do with being born. Life chose you to be here. And life gave you gifts and talent. So the question we should really ask is, what does life expect of me? The moment we ask that question, any challenge that's ever given to you, it's actually a gift that life has given to you to turn you into a better, stronger, faster version than who you are today. Changes everything. Victor Frank, I highly recommend it. Victor Frankl, he got a quote on relationships. He goes, his whole book is not about relationships, by the way. He says, take time to connect with those you love. There's a lot of people out there that, man, they have enough to live by, but then there's nothing to live for. They have the means right to the end, and then there's no meaning to the end. He's talking about relationships there. You know, guys, at the winery, Blue Ridge Winery is a magnet for motivated young people. <laughs> you should see it. There's about 121 people that work there, and I bet you 60 of them are under the age of 25. And these kids are on fire. I mean, it's like it's crazy. MBA, like, 19, <laughs> crazy, right? I mean, it's, it's over the top. There's a guy named Kade that works there, he's like this tall, pure muscle, scored a perfect SAT score, goes to Brown University, I never stand next to him. <laughs> you know? I mean, the guy, these kids are, br- Noah and Tony, these, these are two young men, they are so brilliant that age 14, I gave them keys to the building. They are proof that wisdom does not, does not necessarily come with age. These kids are on fire for life, but I always get them together every summer. And I go, guys, Your motivation is going to serve you really well throughout your life. I know you're going to be a success. I see it already. You may not, but I know. But know that there's a trap set for you. Because throughout your life, if you make millions of dollars and you create big businesses, and in the process, you lose your family, health, and friends. I'm sorry. You're not a success. Because at the end of the whole darn thing, you're going to be willing to trade all the money for family, health, and friends. They're going to do us so well. You watch. Oh, my God. Second word, where we're at. We're at stress. We're at empathy. Stress. Next word, right? I talk about stress in my underground experience. And when I talk about stress, I don't. I don't mean. I'm not talking about being late for an appointment. That's stressful, no matter what, right? But there, there's some people in this world that they're just living a stressed out life, right? You ever know someone like that? They're always on edge. Anything can push them off the edge. They're always kind of like a, like a, ball, a ball of a, you know, frustration rolling through life. You know what I think that stuff is caused by? It's so simple. It's caused by a misalignment of what we say we value and how we spend our time. Isn't it that darn simple? You know how I know this? I was that guy forever. Oh my God. If I say I value my wife and kids, but I'm always out in the field working on the vines, my body's out there, but my mind's up there. And then when I'm at home, and thinking about work. I'm like, what's up with you, Randy? You're not dedicated to anything in life. When you're home, you're there, you're there, you're there. You're not anywhere, really. And then I woke up one day, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. You don't have your values and time lined up. If you can align these two, man, you become so effective at everything in life because you're spending the currency of your life based upon your values. You know what the hard part of this is? It's saying the word No right? Because in order for me to spend my time the way I value it, I can't let anybody else spend my time the way they value it. So you got to say no to people. <laughs> Pray for me. I'm getting better, guys. <laughs> it's hard, you know? <laughs> Y'all notice that the winery's uh, eight years old and I have, a, I have an eight-year-old, good timing. Oh my God. <laughs> right? Someone should have warned us back then, guys. Someone should have said, you know, back then Tiff and I, we go, let's sell the medical business, build a water, and have a family all in one shot. And we're like two kids skipping through the vineyards all in love. Let's do it, you know? Someone should have said, too much at one time, kids. You know, make one big move at a time. We did. We sold, we sold it off. I start building the building. Tiff gets pregnant. She's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's one of those things where we're, we're taking pictures. She's standing between the studs of the building, and her belly's growing towards the studs. It's like that, oh, my God, right? such good stuff. And we learned a great lesson during that process. You know, if you're going to build a building like that, you're going to go over budget. I now know this, right? Guaranteed. We basically spent all of our money down to zero, then had to borrow a whole bunch of more money to to finish it all. And then I wake up one day, and I'm like, oh, my God, what have you done? You're a million dollars in debt. You have no job. You have no money. Your wife's pregnant. Good luck to Randy. It's funny now, not then. Oh my God, <laughs> That's why I always recommend to you: Oh, marry someone that's mentally stronger than you are. That way, when you fall on your face, they'll pick you up. <laughs> if it wasn't for a tip, I'd still be in the vineyard crying somewhere myself. You know, <laughs> God. So we opened on September twentieth, two thousand fourteen. I want to capture. What are you thinking right now? Because you're never getting that night back. Right, opening night. So you get a picture. We're up at the house, sitting there, and I'm holding Maggie. She beat me by two weeks, that little puppy. right? And I'm holding her, and together, Tiff and I, we typed out this little paragraph that hangs in the women's room. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, it, but it basically says this. It says, in life, you're only going to be able to give away what you have within you to give away. So therefore, you really need to take care of yourself. Because only if you have happiness and joy within you could you possibly add it to anybody around you, including the students. Back when we wrote it, guys, I had no idea why we wrote that. I thought, that's a weird thing. Why did we write that? Hung it on the wall, read it every day. Seven years later, I finally get it. I want Blue Ridge to be the most upbeat, positive, enthusiastic place on the planet. And it's only going to be that if we are that. And so it is with you. right? So it is with every district in the world. It's going to be what you are. right? Whatever we are is what we see. We can only see what we're looking at. If we're looking for the good, the clean, the pure, we will see that. If we don't, we won't. Right? Finally got it. Good old mama. By the way, stress and empathy are inversely related. You with me on this? If someone's stressed out, they're not tuned into what they're feeling. How can they be tuned into what anyone else is feeling? You with me on this, right? You know, it's one of those things that, you know, a lack, a lack of closeness and connection is not disregard of others, it's disregard of yourself. And there's one more word mom would talk about constantly. And it's what we started with. It's hope. That sentence of if there's hope in your future, there's power in your present, she had that in every room. It was on the bathroom mirror. It was everywhere you'd go. My mom would say, if I cannot change my current situation, I'm gonna change my perspective towards it and my situation will change. Good old mama, huh? Something else. Have you ever thought about how hope is connected to your life every second of your life? Because hope is the activator in your life, by the way. It causes you to do everything you do. This morning, when you got up, you, you suck your key in, you turn the key to your car, and you hope it starts, <laughs> right? If you didn't think it would start, you wouldn't do it, <laughs> right? You turn the handle in your shower, you hope water comes out. If you set an alarm at night, <laughs> you're hoping to wake up, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're going to work, you're hoping to find meaning and purpose and a paycheck. If you didn't think you'd get it, you probably wouldn't go. Hope is the activator in everybody's life. It causes action, right? If you're in a relationship with someone and you lose hope for the future, you're probably gonna move on. It causes everything you do. And as adults, we understand that you can have hope and then lose hope. Have you ever told a big dream to someone, a big goal you have, and they go, really, you think you could do that, really? And they kind of tear you down, right? It's happened to everyone, hasn't it? You know what my mom's advice was? My mom would say, Randy, don't ever tell a big dream to a small-minded person. (laughs) Kind of mean, but true. Tell me why, Mom, I'm 12. You know, she'll say, well, if you do that, what happened was you backed them into a corner. And and people have to rationalize their own existence every minute of their life. And what happened was you gave them too much. And so the only choices they have to rationalize themselves is to, to tear your dream down or kick their life up. It's much easier to tear yours down. By the way... My mom would say, you know, Randy, if someone's ever beaten up on you and they're kind of giving you a hard time about your dreams and hopes in life, just know that they're the ones creating the words. And the words that people speak only speak to the condition of the speaker's heart. Nobody else's. Like, oh, I get it, Mom. And besides, (laughs) if someone's giving you a hard time, they're kind of beating on you, giving you negativity, well, they must assume you're strong enough to take it. You think this much of me? Thank you. What a compliment. Right? It's hard to argue, right? It's kind of true. You know, guys, it took me doing the winery to finally get the answer to the question. You know, throughout my life, people are always going, like, Randy, what's up, man? Why are you always so upbeat? They go, What do you want, man? Like, nothing. I'm like, I've been like this. You know, you should have seen me in the medical business. I was really excited for wheelchairs. (laughs) You gotta see this thing. (laughs) Nurse like, wow, here he comes again. You know, (laughs) but you know, guys, my mom, I grew up ski racing. Um, What happened to me was uh, we were really poor when we were younger. I mean, so poor that I remember the day our car got repossessed. It wasn't worth repossessing, believe me. I remember my mom trying to find the change in the center to give to the man. He goes, it's not going to work, Sandy. And uh, mom had to go to work. She worked for Outdoor World, you know, the the resort campground place. She was a sales rep. Straight commission, high risk, high reward. She didn't have an education back then, but she did graduate from college at age 57. How neat, right? And... uh, and Mom, we used to go to work with her. And then we met Mark Epsilon. And Mark Epsilon changed my life, guys. Mark Epsilon was the head of Shawnee Ski School. And what happened was he, he saw our situation. He goes, Sandy, you're in a hard spot here. You're a single mom with two boys. You've got to go to work like all the, all the time every day. And, uh, and you have nowhere to go with your boys. So what I'll do is if you want to just drop them off at Shawnee on the way to work every day, I'll give them a lift ticket and a set of rentals. Can, they can ski all day. So Mom would drop us off at 7 AM, pick us up at 10 o'clock at night every day. <laughs> skied a lot. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) But it was like magic, because mom would drop us off, we're the first ones on the mountain, you know, you're going fast, tucking down, right? And then we we would be the last ones off the mountain. And we would be making rounds until all of a sudden you ski down and there stood mom and you would ski into her arms. I can still feel it. Oh my god. And there's this law in life called the 10,000 hour rule. You probably all know it. Malcolm Gladwell made it very popular in his book, Tipping Point. He basically argues, he says that, you know, if anyone that's world class at anything they're doing, they've done it for 10,000 hours. It doesn't matter if you're a musician, you're a chef, you're a computer scientist, it doesn't matter what you're doing, 10,000 hours is what they've all put in, to be at the top 1% in the world, 10,000 hours. So what happened with this thing with Mark Epsilon and my mom and Shawnee, is I probably had 10,000 hours of skiing in but the time I was like 12, <laughs> right? So by default, I got to travel the world, race in the World Cup for the US. Takes you around the world, fun stuff, change your life. It kind of led to the winery, because we're in Italy, and my wife looks at me and goes, you think you can grow grapes at the farm? Like, I don't know, never tried it. <laughs> Come home and start studying, and here it goes, right? So now, I, what I do is I, I go to, to, to Killington Mountain School up in Vermont, and I talk to the racers. Because the way life works is if you want to do what someone did, you do what they did and you'll do what they do. There's no secrets, right? It's all out there. But the challenge of this is in order to do what they did, you're going to have to think the way they think. That's the challenge. You're going to have to gain their mindset, not yours. So I'm talking to these young kids and I'm saying, guys, the mountain's not out there. You are the mountain, you are what you must overcome. It's in your head, you, it, it won't be until you see it. And then I bring up the word hope. <laughs> Big mistake, Randy. Little eight-year-old raises his hand and goes, Mr. Dietrich, how could you lose hope? But oh my God, the world hasn't touched him. No one beats up the dreams of eight-year-olds. In fact, people will build the dreams of an eight-year-old. They say things like, gonna be an astronaut little man? Gonna make the Olympics, dude? They build them up, don't they? But at some point in life, sometimes people's insecurities will get taken out on other adults, never the children. And guys, like I said, throughout my life, oh my God, people are always going, what's up, Randy? Why are you so upbeat? What's going on? I finally have the answer to that question. Because the truth is, if there's hope in your future, there is power in your present. And the more hopeful your future becomes, the more enthusiastic your present is. You know what the whole gist of life really is? It's to stay the eight-year-old. They say that ships will sink because water on the outside got on the inside. I would argue people will sink because the negativity on the outside got on the inside. Let it bounce off you like it never happened. Good old mama, huh? Oh my God, something else. Could you just imagine what the world would look like If every single teacher, every single administrator, encouraged every single student to pursue all their dreams with all their imagination, and they just never let fear interfere with their life. Heck of a world. I love my job. I race out of bed to get here every day. I have bosses that they support us. My colleagues are my, my family. We are a, a very close unit here. Our students are, they are the kinds of kids who, who love to study and ask questions. At the end of the day, I say that if I teach them something new, I've certainly earned my money on that day. so I would say thank you. It's been a, a crazy couple years. Um, I love my job. I'm really lucky to be here in you know, my hometown, my home district. So I feel like our administration is really sees us as people, not just teachers. So like they know us as our family. Uh, um, you know, you could go to them for anything and they're there for you emotionally. They're there for you for um, advice in the classroom. Um, and it just feels like kind of just like a big family here. Share one more thing? I, uh, man. So, when my mom left my dad when I was seven, a year later she got cancer. And my mom lived with cancer for 25 years. But you never would have known it, not for a second. I tell people if you would have been on the phone with my mom while she's getting chemotherapy, you have swore she's on a beach somewhere. You never would have known. So this whole time when my mom is raising two boys, trying to build seeds of greatness in them, she's battling chemotherapy. My mom died 16 years ago. And man, I'm trying to make her proud. You know, um, my mom did this thing to me the last week she was alive. Uh, we we're down at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital and Dr. Porter was putting my mom through a stem cell transplant. And when they do that, they take the white blood cells out of your body, they put them through a centrifuge, and put the clean ones back in. The problem with this, though, is if you catch a cold, it can kill you, because white blood cells fit off colds, and you really don't have any. It was November, and my mom caught a cold. But I've never seen anything like this before. Within a split second, it felt like a second, the room was flooded with doctors and nurses, And there was one man at the foot of the bed with his fingers in the air like a conductor. And everybody around him is gathered there intently looking at this guy. This was leadership on steroids. One mind, you all listen to me, here we go. And he goes, put the head down, pump this in, breathing tube in over here, hit her with that. And after about 60 seconds, man, mom's heart lit back up again. You can imagine, guys, we're going to leave oncology, we're going downstairs to intensive care. And there's this long hallway. My brother and I are standing over here at the end. There's a nurse station on the side, and there goes my mom on that hospital bed. You can only see the elevator doors at the end, and there goes my mom. Breathing tube in, IVs everywhere. But you know the only thing I could see going down that hallway was? (laughs) My mom's big thumb in the air. I said, oh, my God. If you can hang on the joint in a moment like this, I have no excuse for the rest of my life. So when I say, good old mama, oh, my God. My mom. My mom wore a pin every day. I'm wearing it right now. I wear it every day. The pin says, ask me about my kids. The Denville Area School District are your children. And it's your job to take the seeds of greatness and let them grow. To see it and to point it out. You are the leaders. Leaders see things before other people see things. See the greatness, point it out. Wear these pins. We're giving one to everyone here, guys. <laughs> They're out there where we got the sodas and the, and the food. Take one and wear it proud. And when someone stops you at a grocery store, at a gas station, they go, tell me about your kids. You go, man, my children of the Denville Area School District are brilliant. These children are changing the world. These children have seeds of greatness, and we're going we're to take every single one of them and grow every single one. Thank you for letting me be here today, guys. I'm so grateful.